0: Hey, hi, hello
1: taken a little slower version of the intro today to this after party because it is a different day than normal. I
2: feel a little more ethereal in this Should room. I a
1: little lighter. I feel a little lighter. Be a little warmer. Guys,
0: where did Fish go? Do you see him?
2: <laughs> yeah, see, it's a little weird. Brandon's been acting like I, he can't see me He's this gaseous. entire time. Brandon actually
1: <laughs> lost object permanence during his battle with that Uzi guy. It is
2: fun though because you can do the whole like baby like Aww. peekaboo, oh, and it's back. just like he gets all excited about it, and it's cute.
0: Do it for me, we... Where would I go? A peek-a-boo.
2: Oh my god! I <laughs> so, <I> go? Go. <laughs> A peek-a-boo. so cute. So yeah, that's basically been the last twenty minutes here.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Johnny discovered something old and new this episode.
2: Wedding party throwback.
1: Let's talk about it. So what? What is Johnny doing? What's going on, Fish? Yeah,
2: so Johnny is joining the ethereal realm to help keep the Trinity a little bit in line. Makes me feel good about the whole Undying Light and Undying Shadow, like having some interaction with the Trinity there. And he's gone ethereal to help keep his friends and the world a little saner as there's some divine mischievousness and mischief and shenanigans happening. And at the same time, I am also getting ethereal and not ghosting but also stepping back from... uh, Responsibly. Responsibly Stepping back.
1: Yeah, responsibly.
2: (laughs) uh, Yeah, responsibly stepping back. That's the most
0: millennial phrase to ever be honored. (laughs) Responsibly
2: It's
1: it's a conscious uncoupling.
0: Ooh, that's good. Yeah, it's a conscious
2: uncoupling of players (laughs) and stepping back. The thing I've liked most about Johnny from the beginning, obviously, has been his pursuit of, at first, trying to bring more light Realizing that there probably needs to be a balance, seeking like, okay, do I need some darkness in here? And then ultimately uh, being told, yeah, you're going to be basically used as a way to balance the world. I've always thought of that as nice, but it's like a nice balance of balancing the good days and bad of day to day. You know, No one around this table uh, hasn't dealt with uh, mental health issues. Definitely myself is part of that. And yeah, I'm... As the saying goes, I'm uh, taking a step back uh, to work on myself and uh, mental health. Make sure that, like Johnny, I can be in a good place and find balance where right now I'm not finding it. That being said, I basically have indoctrinated the speaker into the light now (laughs) from that one camel ride. So she's absolutely going to continue to spread the word of the light. I'm absolutely. (laughs) No, the speaker hates it.
1: So, yeah. But we found out in this moment, obviously, we've been working toward finding a way to make this meaningful for the character and for the story. So we learned something really big about Zeol this episode. Eric, can you expand a little bit on what's happening with Zeol and the speaker?
2: No spoilies. Or not too many spoilies.
0: Give me all the spoilies.
3: Yeah. Turns out Zeol was pretending to be an old codger the entire time. And he uh, lured the speaker here to switch in the compass.
1: So how do ethereal beings work? So they have like a flesh form here and then they can go to a different plane? Are they like, what is the need to have the speaker here for him to escape this compass prison?
3: I think it's more he just is trying to swap with a divine thing. I mean, the whoever started Chronopolis, as we talked about way back in the first episode of this arc, um, they trapped a bit of divine in the compass to keep their entire weather system and farming system going. So Zeal's trying to swap out with an equally powerful being, why he is able to do so, what what is loosened is still a mystery to all of you. I know, but you guys will figure it out eventually.
0: That's an Eric guarantee, did <laughs> he? As
3: a fan of this world and story, it, there's
2: a lot of good tidbits in that final scene, specifically uh, when the Undying Light, uh, voiced of course by the wonderful Misha, is like Adamazet in death's grip. That's really interesting. Oh, I don't yeah. know what that that means other than Zeol is the god of death. So is there a, a celestial coup happening? You know, put on your tinfoil hats now, kids. Could be. Could be.
1: Really? Yeah.
2: I definitely think that, like, the speaker has, like, shown herself to be so powerful so many times. Like, of course, if you're going to have a mortal casing as you you try to do shenanigans, anyone would pick the speaker as, like, that choice. Hence... Yeah, over
1: a compass, especially. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah.
2: Like, you, still, the compass ain't bad, but like, use that to lure the, like, the, the big fish. Yeah. No, a compass is bad. <laughs>
1: so, I mean, he could have disrupted the weather patterns himself, that's what I'm assuming, to lure her there, because it's serious enough that the speaker would have to show up, but, like, you know, we, I guess, we'll figure that out in episodes to come. Yeah, yeah.
0: I and am just realizing the... that the speaker goes purple, and the cheese was also purple. The
3: cheese was actually just based on Midnight Moon from Murray, so <laughs> totally unrelated. Damn. Um but yeah, I think we're gonna learn a little bit more about the compass in the coming episodes. So that's pretty exciting. We'll see what happens. There is a lot of tidbits in that scene, so I hope that people go back and listen and maybe we put some stuff together about the story at large.
1: The question that haunts me though after this episode is would you rather fight one basilisk sized rat or a hundred rat sized basilisks? <sighs> Uh, mm, normally, listen listen a hundred rat-sized basilisks 200 eyes but that's the thing right like it's just
2: you're just gonna get seen and you're just gonna yeah. get stones oh yeah don't know why the s's were there it's a technical term stones stones you're because actually want to, to parcel I did a lot of that yeah. in high school <laughs> you got
0: real stones you got stones yeah that i was a rock collector 30 a rock polisher
1: Oh, yeah. I collected rocks, too. Actually, we were looking at our
2: inventories today, and we all realized that we're just not adventurers. So we're rock rocks. collectors. We, have so many we are geologists. <laughs> we're geologists. We have just rocks of different kinds, different for- mud in a martini glass, all these different things.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize yours was in a martini glass. We had to
2: scoop some of them <laughs> like, is that
0: mud shaken or stirred? Oh. oh
3: Brandon.
1: Hmm.
0: It's probably, now, been, now, shaken. Now, was it's probably been shaken. was the groan because of was a joke, a bad joke, or was it inappropriate some way? Oh, I no, was, no, I was groaning joke. because yeah, yeah. I was thinking
2: what the answer was. They were groaning because they hated
1: it. <laughs> 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 well, Eric was very generous slash I was very lucky that the rock was a similar weight to a giant hunk of midnight moon Smelt Gouda TMTM.
0: Yeah. yeah,
3: you guys did not solve those first two the way that they should have been solved. <laughs> Can you
0: take us through all the Tell permutations? Us, oh, yes. you want me
3: too? Okay. oh, I really do. So the first one is the Basilisk puzzle. Amanda is a goddamn mythology nerd, so I should have seen this one coming. I know
1: one thing, and it's the Basilisk, we because both. I read Harry Potter when I was six. And, and you yeah, we've gave all read her Harry the Potter. mirror.
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> at least she used the, she used She's the thing, yeah. So the way that you were supposed to do that was you were supposed to get the basilisk to look at the statue. Oh. The statue had human eyes. You guys eventually figured it out that it was this very, very heavy, immovable metal, turned it to stone, then you can push it over or crush it like Tracy did.
1: Okay, but but did 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 we do a murder?
3: No, it was literally a statue. Oh, good. Okay. Woo-hoo. I know. I don't know why you I'm guys nervous. thought it was a person. We no, were know, very you concerned. human eyes. I know. That, well, that was supposed to signal that it was able to be basilisk. Is the lyric human oh. eyes, eagle eyes, or eager eyes? That's the question. It's
2: eagle With eyes. With your
1: human eyes. It's definitely not it's that one. eagle way. eyes. Oh, yeah. I'm just now trying to assess why in my soul parts... I was not sad about having done actual murders on actual people in this game, Your Honor. But not but I was so nervous about killing oh, the statue. No.
3: The second thing, the rat it was literally the rat trap, uh, or the mouse trap. If My you oh, damn it, game. like
1: the game mouse trap. Yeah. yeah.
3: If you touch the cheese at all, the trap started and it conjures uh rats to come through the ceiling. So was the door unlocked the whole time? Yes it was. <laughs> You're shitting me. <laughs> nope. I'm gonna unlock the entire Whoa, time. Oh,
0: fucking classic! Classic.
3: classic. That's so. Oh, that's so good. It was a. Uh, oh, so good. It was oh. a temp- It was a constitution puzzle. Oh. So it was about whether or not you guys could resist fucking with the trap. So good. That's God, mean. Cause it. you I know, there's that. no
2: way we could. I love that.
1: You know what, guys? This is on me. I touched the hydra, and I touched the cheese.
2: That being said, Eric was not pleased with my. Using my spell (laughs) slots. Nuclear (laughs) fission. What a goddamn good idea, though. I guess eventually the rat
1: carcasses would have outweighed the trap.
2: Yeah, we would have been able to gather enough rat carcasses to make it work. Now, were, were the carcasses coming down through the fire or were they vaporizing? So I have the thought that some are like grazing the sun, burning to a nice medium rare, and then falling Good. Very singed and dead. I want to die. Great.
3: I don't know what the stats are of rats. I was using the swarm of rats stat, which is different. It's like a medium-sized swarm of, we can be up to 10 feet by 10 feet. God, I love d Of tiny animals, so rat-sized. So I would say that I was trying to do dexterity saving throws to see if they got around the fire. But if they touched the fire, which the majority of them did, yeah. it would have gotten torched. Also, if it had continued to stream, I would have made it bigger and bigger and bigger and
0: it would, have been
2: like... it would have
3: been more dangerous and you would have gotten more bites and stuff like that. But Sorry. really, you just needed to put the cheese back on the pedestal. So I was cool to eat the cheese then. No, not before the trap was done. Because Why? it would have changed the weight. If we the didn't weight. have a rock. If you had just eaten. But we always had the rock. No, yeah. but,
1: but we didn't know. If you had changed the weight of the cheese by eating some In of a it. In a locked it, room it would been... <laughs> puzzle. There's a dead body inside, a door locked from the inside, and no key. It was. Ice. There's a puddle. If, was, if, <laughs> you just,
3: <laughs> if you didn't have the, ra- if you didn't think to use the rock, and you would have given Tallahassee some of the cheats, the rats would have continuously attacked you in Tallahassee.
0: My biggest concern are these rats ethereal or are they actual rats? No, think- those are real rats. Okay. So Tallahassee rat. does have a good, strong belly full of
2: rats. Yeah. Yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. the third challenge is one of my favorite. Don't uh, wake
0: daddy. <laughs> i mean yeah kind of
2: kind of <laughs> it's one of my favorite like creatures that exists in D, which is these like oozes eric hit us up with some good ooze knowledge
3: yeah this is the this is a new monster it's called the oblex um it is from mordenkainen's tome of foes uh this was actually created by a
1: kid from make a wish
3: kicking ass what an awesome child.
1: contribution to D canon though
3: yeah, so the way that Oblex works is that it steals like memories from people and then it can conjure simulacrums of actual people and have can control up to like what is it, 1d6 plus two of them. So, in theory, the people who ran the labyrinth got some memories from all these people who did it or didn't do such a good job, and then the Oblex can recreate them. Shit, are they all dead? No, you just get memory. You get memories. So or, they, they did complete. Of memories. They
0: did complete the thing. Then
3: some of them did, but like Autumn and uh, Corelia are good examples. In theory, both of them, you know, both of them were probably alive. Autumn is probably alive. You just saw Corelia, right? It's like they're they went through and they got attacked by that thing that Johnny was dealing with at the end. It's called eat memories, and it you get a whole lot of psychic damage. Forty four is what they suggest. Oh dang, forty four points of psychic damage, um, and they eat your memories. And then they hold on to them and they can recreate that person. So it's terrifying. But I really like that I could put it at the end there.
1: And at least while we were kind of frozen watching Johnny fight the monster, I really found very poignant your description of Tracy's state. I know I've had panic attacks before and that it really, to me, is what it feels like. A fog, an inability to act, knowing that something is wrong, but not being able to fix it right away and just overwhelm. So these kinds of like psychic monsters are resonant for a reason. And I don't know. I mean, this is one of the reasons that I love role-playing games is that, you know, the struggle of the light in the dark can be a metaphor. The, you know, psychic damage from the red Uzi foe can be a metaphor. And it's something that makes me feel less alone.
3: Yeah. Uh, the spells of this thing can do are entirely terrifying so the one that i did on tracy was confusion uh which tracy couldn't move or can move in a der- depending on what you rolled could move in a certain direction or you just attacked a random person which would have been crazy Oops. um there's detect thoughts there's hold person dimension door it can just create a door that goes somewhere Yikes. uh dominate person which is the higher level of hold person fear just straight up fear uh hallucinatory terrain is crazy it just creates like a 10 by 10 square of like whatever terrain it wants of, like, environment. AstroTurf. But, like, a forest, like, you feel like you're Probably lost in a forest. not AstroTurf.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: and then telekinesis and hold monster. So, like, it can even hold other monsters that are trying to attack it. Wow. Uh, which is pretty, pretty terrifying.
0: I think the thing for Tracy is, like, well, he quite literally is immortal. <laughs> like, he can't die from natural causes. And so he, that, you know, it gets in his head sometimes. He's bold. He's brash. He doesn't do things that are smart. But it's because he has very little fear And then these things happen and he like brings him back down the earth and makes him realize that he is, can be affected by many different things, which I think is a apt metaphor for me as a player. I won't speak for y'all, but we've been doing this for a long time now. It's over a year and it is the hardest and obviously most rewarding project I've done, but emphasis on hardest. Speaking from my personal experience, my depression and anxiety often manifest in overworking myself or holding myself to too high a standard that I'll never reach. And uh, working on a show that literally takes 35 to 40 hours a week on top of my 40 hour week, 50 hour week, 60 hour a week day job often makes me feel accomplished, but is not a healthy thing for me to do. And I'm taking active steps to fix that as well, but I understand your position fish i understand that this is something that we're all doing in our own free time and we're doing it because we love it and the worst thing possible for me would be to for someone to be making a creative project alongside me that was not actively making their life better
2: i mean ultimately like this is you know jokes aside it's about finding a balance and you know it's been incredible to see like how each of you have evolved throughout the making of this podcast, from when I first met you guys,
1: because we were all strangers. I know yeah, people are surprised to learn that sometimes, but I knew Eric a little bit from school. But you know, the three of you guys worked together. But I was just like, "Hey, what's up, guys?" I'm like met you once, and then we started podcast pre production.
2: Yeah, and it's just been an incredible journey to like see all of us, myself included, how we've changed just. Adapting to our jobs and our lives, you know, I moved up to New York basically the same like week I showed up for the job. And then like the evolution of, of the Patreon and Discord, like for me, the it's been amazing to see and to like read along and seeing all the tweets as well. And hopefully we bring some level of joy and interestingness to someone's life through a, like a, a crappy like one hour, two hour commute or like just a bad day or a good day.
0: No, I, yeah, like I think the the only way that I could have sustained myself when it's literally maybe 2 or 3 a.m. on a Sunday and I'm still finishing music for an episode that's going to be released the next morning. Like the only way that that is tenable is the fact that it has resonated with you, all of everyone listening, and the fact that it brings joy to other people's life and it brings comfort in the good and bad times and the fact that... Y'all can relate to our characters and our stories and find some meaning in it for your personal lives as well. I think a lot of the meaning that we derive from the show is stuff that comes from like outside of the show, like not the story directly, but a lot of the experiences and discussions and relationships that have been formed around it.
1: Like the fact that we had a live show with 100 people who showed up from all over the country and different countries for reasons including our live show, not just our live show.
0: No, it's just the live show.
1: In, in their case, yeah. But it's absolutely the same for me. I don't put in the insane hours that Brandon and Eric both put in in preparing for our sessions and then preparing the episodes to go out. But the challenges that I deal with make playing Dungeons & Dragons with you guys very hard. <laughs> like my depression and anxiety manifest in, you know, self criticism, in fear of new experiences, in social isolation, and just like really limited energy in general, but also in like social and intellectual and creative ways. So a lot of my stress around the show is just wanting to be able to bring my full self to bear because. All of you have been such incredible collaborators. And at this point, we have an audience that cares so much that I don't want to let down on a weekly basis when we show up to record. But it hasn't been without its struggles. And I know I've been, you know, not an ideal player at times. And I've had to apologize to people for being short or, you know, not showing up and bringing my best.
2: Anara is as tall as she needs to be. <laughs> don't, 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 don't give her. No. It's
1: really escapist because I'm too <laughs> tall in life. So I make myself too short in game.
2: Well, so that's the thing, like, you're saying that you felt like you've had to apologize about being short in the game, but, like, when we started, you had played maybe a couple sessions of D&D ever, and now, like, you, I feel like in this episode, like, you were the one who, like, thought of every single solution that stumped Eric. To see Except that cha-
0: for the door is already unlocked. Yeah, okay, nope, well, didn't okay. get that one. Well, none of us got that, that one. <laughs> None of us got that one.
1: Yeah, but But, I mean, thank you. Thank you for saying so. And all of you have made me feel really welcome, not just by like accidentally creating like a queer Trojan horse show, but you, Fish specifically, have been such a, a kind of mentor to me as I learned to role play and, you know, talking to me outside the game about different strategies. Like we sat down and talked about like what Inara's background is and what my motivations are. and. Brandon does it too. Eric does it as well. Like you guys design the game and help set up choices that make me feel empowered and not lost. But I know that I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to make choices like I made today without having played beside you for a year and a half.
2: Every time I sit at the table, no matter which table it is, if it's this particular table or
1: like a, a <laughs> The janky, table's a metaphor. The table's, table's a metaphor. metaphor.
2: Yeah. Everyone is chomping at the bit to yes and and to help the the other person because this is still a real play D&D game, which is is amazing like how it ends up because of like all the work that Brandon does, of course, but like Eric, like molding the story and work with us towards an audio drama that's compelling. And it's still actual play and we're rolling the dice and we're able to say and do random things is like the versatility and the like flexibility of Eric being able to like, yes. And all of our decisions and it's why one of the best parts of like, the community in the Discord, but then also on Twitter and elsewhere has been people talking about D&D and role-playing games in general because I feel like what differentiates uh, this podcast and this group and Eric's DMing style in particular has been this flexibility that is the people who ask, how do I deal with X even though it's in one of the pre-printed books? <laughs> and i like, being like, well, just because it's there doesn't mean you have to do it. And that's a hard thing to wrap your head around. And so when you have a game that's played in such a flexible way and it's still compelling because, and it doesn't devolve is a testament, not just to the three of us who are playing it and to Brandon, especially for editing it, but really to Eric for letting us inhabit this world and our characters collaborate on this world. Yeah. It's been pretty cool.
0: I mean, yeah. Bottom line at the end of the day, this is the, not only the best game of D D that I've ever played, it is the most rewarding personally, professionally, creative endeavor I've ever done, maybe will ever do. And I've gotten to do some fun things, I think. And I think it's because of the struggles, because of the successes, and because of the personalities and friendships and bonds. And, yeah, I'll just infinitely forever be grateful for everything all three of you put into it.
1: Yeah. And, like, at this point, it's a force in our lives that feels like it's always been there, at least for me. But this is very unusual. (laughs) Like, we... We have a podcast and a community, you know, that really means something where people make real friendships, where folks like travel to see each other and like send us beautiful gifts and support each other every single day on Twitter and and in our Discord. And our show means something to people. And that, you know, I don't like to toot our own horn a lot, but it's remarkable. And I really believe in it. And I hope that we get to grow and I hope that more people can join in because we, we work so hard and it's always really rewarding to see people discover this and be like, Oh, like, where has this been? We are here and like, help us find people who would like it too. I just, I just admire the work that everyone does so much. And I'm just so glad that the four of us, you know, met when we did to get the party started.
3: Ooh, nice. Although we're reminiscing here and I'm, wholeheartedly agree with everything that everyone is saying the story is not over we're going to miss fish we're going to miss johnny but tracy and anara still need to reckon with some stuff uh the story is not over you will have
1: interactions have consequences yeah
3: it totally no! does i would say johnny's actions have some consequences uh, <laughs> too
1: and i'm yeah. excited
2: to listen to the next episode because this yeah. will be the first time i really have no idea what's going on oh no you're actually
0: going to hear that that's not good
2: <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> so in two weeks there will be a new episode of labor party so keep listening
0: Yeah, and it's going to be a different story. It's going to be an interesting story. It's going to be a super fun story. It's going to be a super serious story. It's going to be dramatic. It's going to be lighthearted. It's going to be fun. Everything you expect from JTP. And more. And I'm excited for it.
1: Yeah. All right, well, I think that's about it for this after party. Bye, guys.
2: See you later. And Undying Light be with you.